six and a half. Okay. Yeah. Okay, why? Well, this this month has been quite a lot. Yeah. And um Do you think you were like near the top towards the beginning and you've like drained down? No, I probably started at a two. <laughs> Yeah. To be fair, I think that's most people at the fringe at the beginning. <laughs> yeah, it's way too stressful to have yeah. your shit together at the beginning. So I think you start at quite a low number. Oh my God. And if it goes all right, then you gradually creep up the scale. <laughs> I know, and then in the middle you kind of peak and then it's like slowly back down again. Yeah, 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 yeah. 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 Um, no, maybe it's a little bit higher than that. Um, I'm a bit hungover as well because yeah. we've just been drinking so much up here, far too much. Oh my God. I know, but so um, Nora, who has been on the podcast before, mm-hmm. is also doing a play at Summer Hall in the evening. Mm-hmm. My play's on during the day. But like, speaking to her about it, and I think it's the same for you, like, your adrenaline spikes so close towards the end of the night and then you kind yeah. of need, like, I come out of the show and I just need a drink to kind of come down off it and to process it. I like, know, I know. I mean, it's a filthy habit, but I'm the same. But because, it makes sense, doesn't it? Uh, well, what else are you supposed to do is it? You can't just sort of, because like, I'm drenched in sweat from at the end. The adrenaline is spiking through. The roof. and then it's like well I'm not just gonna go and have a cup of tea and get into bed <laughs> do you know what I mean no literally um, and you've been so fucking vulnerable as well I mean like any actor but you particularly um yeah yeah well I perform it naked yes so I was just thinking maybe that people wouldn't actually know uh, that yeah so. I was gonna bring it up but I'm glad oh, okay, you have <laughs> <laughs> it's like the red button in the room I didn't want to bring it well, up well I just thought but, you're like you're so vulnerable and I was like yeah. am I but then I think you, you know, really well, are yeah. Emotionally naked and literally naked. Yeah. Yeah. Why have you done that? Why have you chosen to do that? I think I have an understanding, but in your yeah. own words. Well, I, I've done a few shows naked now. Mm-hmm. The first time I did, the first time I made a show, it was called This Is Not Culturally Significant. Which is the one that I saw. Which is the one you saw. Yeah. A few years before you saw it, I actually performed it fully clothed. Okay. Um, and it was, it was shit. It was just so fucking bad. And it was the first thing I'd ever made. Yeah. Um, and because what I because the characters I play and the kind of scenarios that I put them in and like the kind of the emotional sort of level of, of the scenes and the stuff that I make, it's quite intense and actually it lacked so much vulnerability. Um, it was abrasive. It was kind of violent, um, and people were just getting up and walking out. And really? I mean, they still do now. Yeah. But uh, they only walk out now. I think if they're um, I don't think they walk out. Well, I don't know why they walk out, but. <laughs> But I was okay with them walking out in that first show because it just, I think I'd have probably left too. So I just really sort of re-looked at the whole thing and I was like, how can I bring a sense of vulnerability and softness and kind of honesty to this without changing the content? Because I'm really interested in that, you know, style of performance, Mm. um, but it needed more heart. So that was a decision. Wow. Yeah. Did you find it difficult being naked at first or was it just something that you were quite comfortable with straight away? Yeah, the first time I did it, I was shitting myself because also you just I the show started with me standing on stage as the audience came in, yeah. so I was just stood there with my eyes shut. Oh my god! And I was at the vaults yeah, in yeah. London, un- underneath Waterloo Station in February, uh, so it wasn't warm. Cold and damp. <laughs> cold and very damp. And uh, and I and I remember feeling like a cold sweat like running down my side. Oh uh, my god! In my head, I was just like. Fuck are you doing? This is good. This is such a bad idea. But it really paid off. Yeah. And since then, because I've, I mean, I don't know how many shows I've done, but like it, performances, it's probably into the hundreds. So it's more like now I'm just way more comfortable with yeah. it. Um, I get more nervous about the audience than I do the performance because you can get very hostile audiences. Yeah. Um, and uh, then that makes me feel very, very vulnerable. Yeah. yeah. I mean, we were talking about it because when I came to see it, I loved it. And what I think of, like, the nudity, exactly what you're saying, it just makes it feel incredibly honest and vulnerable. And it's like the lighting and everything, because you're such an incredible, like, character actor. It's almost like you're a piece of clay, like, to sound fucking wanky as hell, but, like, (laughs) you know, and it's just there's nothing about you left, Mm. almost, Mm. which is just incredible. You could tell because it's like a provocative piece of theatre. Yeah. Some people find it uncomfortable, but then, you know, I came to see it halfway through the run, and by that point, people should kind of have an idea of what to expect at that point. So it's like, why are you here if you're, like, angered by this? Sure. It's so strange. I think what a lot of people tend to say is that they forget that they're watching someone naked after after a few minutes. Um, And I, yeah, and I like that. I think a lot of it is just about sort of, um, I think it's a very good leveller, you know? Yeah. Because you're just going, like, 
this is what we all look like to varying degrees once we take our clothes yeah, off, yeah. you know. And it's like, well, yeah, there's an honesty to it. And I think it takes all the other shit away, like all the concepts that we put on top yeah. of people and our judgments and preconceptions. Like if you just have this sort of base level of something, then I hope anyway that it's it creates a way for the audience to really kind of just sort of be with it honestly mm, yeah. and uh, yeah and I think it makes the audience more vulnerable as well but in a, in, a, in a good way you know yeah I mean I came away from it I think I said to you like it, I almost had to take time to process it because from watching it I was so like moved by it but I couldn't quite articulate it at the time and I think it is just that like vulnerability and the rawness and like the depth of the characters as well like it's fucking great man like once it's... you've thrown up you were, <laughs> you were like oh no yeah, I know. <laughs> purged myself of like the disgust uh no it's, it's so good and like you're so you know you really deserve the praise it's getting and like i hope it goes further thank you so much what does having your shit together mean to you i think it's about actually feeling level you know mm -hmm. so um so maybe not kind of being in the extremes of like of emotion mm -hmm. you know positive and negative yeah. actually I think because I can be I can be quite erratic and so I think when I feel the most sort of in the middle ground yeah. of those of those kind of those poles is when uh, calm. yeah a sense of calm and kind of acceptance mm. as to how things are going mm -hmm. um not chasing after things not having violent reactions towards yeah. things um yeah. Yeah, I feel that completely. How do you find managing that in a place like Edinburgh, for example, where it is like what we were just talking about, like the spike of adrenaline in the evening, and then mm. how do you maintain a sense of that? Do you feel like you're able to? Maybe less so here yeah. than in other places because yeah. it's just such a weird like microcosm. Of, it's crazy, isn't of... it? And also like you're at the disposal of like wanting to please people in a way that not normally and yeah 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 exactly and kind of wanting to prove yourself mm. and get your work out there um it takes a lot of energy yeah yeah so uh well i meditate a lot yes um that's one of my my big things in my life um i haven't been meditating much actually here yeah and <laughs> it mad like when you need it most it's kind of the time that you stop doing it yeah 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 um, but outside of the fringe, I'd say that's one of the things that um, helps keep me level. Mm. Yeah. And when did you start doing that? I started when I was about eighteen. Uh -huh. So. Uh, I wouldn't want to say. <laughs> well, I'm thirty-one. I uh -huh. can't do maths. What's that? Uh, 12, 13, 12, years, something like that. Yeah. Um, so I just got very interested in it, uh, just because I blasted my mind on so many different drugs mm -hmm. um, when I was very young, and I think I. I had some very intense experiences, some wonderful, some, yeah. you know, fucking awful. Mm -hmm. And I think I would, I'd always been sort of searching for a way to get back to some of those more pleasurable experiences. Yeah. And meditation was something that I heard that people were doing. Yeah. Um, and so I really got into it for completely the wrong reasons, just because I wanted to like bliss out. And, <laughs> yeah, and, you know, another I, drug. I, yeah, literally. <laughs> I was like, if you take loads of, if you meditate for 12 hours a day, then it'll be like you've done a tab of acid or something. <laughs> And so that was that's that was my intention, but yeah. then but then it developed into something completely different, and it became much more about kind of you know stability and yeah. um, and I think perspective. So after drama school, I started to take it much more seriously. Did a postgraduate degree. I was going to say, yeah, you did a course in it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So so I teach it a little bit, wow. um, and I incorporate it into a lot of my um, creativity and acting stuff as really? well. Really? Yeah. How? Well. A lot of meditation is about acceptance uh -huh. and allowing yourself to be kind of vulnerable and open and turning towards difficulty. Um, so like a very common misconception about meditation, and it was my early misconception as well, is that it's just about blissing out and kind of distracting yourself yeah. or, um, you know, shutting yourself off and going to some sort of kind, peaceful place. Yeah. And, it can it can take you to a peaceful place, but that's not the point of it. Um, so I think there's loads of parallels you can draw with acting and creativity around being honest and like turning towards like the reality of your experience with openness and kind yeah. of with kindness. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, I could I could talk about that loads. But no, maybe that, I love that's that. Just a... It just made me think. Like when I was watching your show, the characters are so 
because you kind of do like vignettes of different characters mm. and I was just wondering how you discover those when when you're creating theatre on your own yeah is it that kind of thing do you start by just kind of going to some like a really calm place and then building from there or uh, yeah well, that's one way I have two friends who help me mm-hmm. some friend Tom and Joe help me on this show and most of it comes from improvisation so mm-hmm. so the script is the last thing to be to be finished yeah um so yeah, we did start some sessions with like a meditation, and then and then from there we go into the improvisation. Oh. Sometimes and sometimes what's interesting, like in meditation, something can arise. So there might be like a like a like a feeling of panic or anxiety oh. or frustration or yeah. something. And then it's like okay, well, like where is that in the body? What would it be like to express it physically? And mm. then maybe you spend a few minutes. I mean, it sounds so fucking wanky. <laughs> But, but it can be very fun and silly yeah, as well, course, you know. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then and then you might do that for a few minutes, and then you go, well, now my body looks like this. Mm. What sort of person would have that posture? Yeah. So it's a very like inside out way of working yeah. rather than than outside in. Um, well, it's like finding the breath, isn't it? Like you know, yeah. we did that drama school quite a bit. Yeah, but then other ways are just are just trying to make each other laugh and just being really silly mm-hmm. and working against blocks as well. So if there's like you know if you're improvising something and you're like god i just feel like such a twat then you go right then i feel like a twat it's making me want to punch myself in the face uh-huh. so then you might like punch yourself in oh the my face. god so you just really go up against yeah. like the creative block mm-hmm. and then see what's on the other side of it yeah. by pushing through god it's so cool but yeah back to meditation so oh, that's yeah. kind of a way that you maintain that balance that you're kind of saying that kind of calmness hmm. and that's what having your shit together kind of feels like I think so. I think it's also about like a flow state, you Uh know, so I think sometimes that place of kind of like neutrality can feel, "Mm, does it feel like there's flow in it? I'm not really sure. What am I thinking? I'm thinking maybe having my shit together can also feel, yeah, so that's, that's one aspect of it is feeling very sort of calm and together. But another aspect is this flow aspect, I think, where you're not even self-aware at all, um, things are just happening and it's like water off a duck's back and you're not really thinking how am I dealing with this? It's just happening and it's yeah. okay. Um, maybe those things do come together sometimes. Yeah. There's two sides of it, but yeah. That's cool. Okay, so I asked you to think of an object that makes you feel yeah. like you've got your shit together. Yeah. You go on? <laughs> yeah, and I'm, I'm cringing because I just think it makes you sound like such a wanker. <laughs> I don't um, think that's going to be the wankiest thing that we've spoken about in the podcast. <laughs> Fair enough. Well, just wait. So, a meditation cushion, actually. Oh, my God. I know. It's like a birthing cushion or something. <laughs> <laughs> um, what is that? It's just a cushion. Uh-huh. That it, it's just like a round cushion yeah. that you put on the floor and uh-huh. you either sit or kneel on it oh to God. meditate. Yeah. Um, I can't believe I'm saying this. I no, feel like I such it. a wanker. Um, but it's... <laughs> Yeah, it just has a when I even when I just look well. Sometimes I look at it and I feel a bit guilty because I think, oh, maybe I haven't been paying as much time doing that as I should. But then other times I, you know, I look at it and I just really get a sense of like, God, some of the experiences and like little insights I've had sat on that cushion that have brought so much like clarity and wow. calm that it has a little special kind of. That's I just amazing. have a special relationship yeah. to it. And also I've been to like Buddhist monasteries in these different places and been on retreats and things and all these cushions look the same. Yeah. And there's just something about it that's like a little bit intimidating, but also very comforting. Yeah. Um, it's a little bit like looking at magic mushrooms growing. Uh-huh. <laughs> you yeah. think, God, how intimidating, oh but also gosh. there's kind of power in them, you know. Yeah. It's kind of like, almost like religious in a way, isn't it? I guess some people would feel like mm. that about going to church and like yeah. kneeling on the cushions there and stuff like that. It's a place to of stillness and reflection, I guess. Yeah, I guess yeah. so. Something powerful in it. Yeah. How long do you like meditate for then? It varies. Yeah. Um, I, I've got up to 10 minutes on Headspace. And oh, good. <laughs> good. That's, re- that's a really good app as well. Yeah, it's great. I love it. Yeah. I use it mainly for the sleep casts, though. Oh, okay. I didn't know they were on there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a recent thing. I just cry to sleep. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. Yeah. Um, how long? It varies. Yeah. So, like, if I'm on retreat, it, it's a long time. You know, it's like eight to ten hours a day. But oh, that's, my God. That's rare. If I'm Jesus, like staying fr- still. Uh, no, you have no. Little, you have breaks. Okay. You know, wow. um, if I'm at Edinburgh, um, no minutes a day. <laughs> <laughs> nope. Um, if I'm uh, if it's just sort of normal life, then 
maybe an hour a day, maybe half an hour That's a day. Amazing. Sometimes every day, sometimes once a week. I mean, it can really just vary on, you know, what else is happening in my mm. life. Um, yeah. The suggestion from kind of teachers is that it's better that you do a little bit every day. Yeah. You know, you're better off doing five minutes a day than you are twice a week. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, or, sorry, one hour every two weeks. Yeah. Um, but I find it very hard to incorporate that because I've got ADHD as well, so my life is just, you know, bang, 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 and my attention's pulled all over the place. So, yeah. yeah. ADHD meditating must have been difficult when you first started. I don't know, you know. Really? I don't know, but, yeah, I'd like to read more about that. Mm. Um, you'd think that it would be. Yeah. And maybe it is. I don't know if meditation is harder for me than someone without it, but I honestly think with perseverance, um, anyone with ADHD could become quite a good meditator. Yeah. yeah. Wow. You make me want to go meditate now. Okay, a time in your life where you felt like you really had your shit together? Has there ever been one? <laughs> Um, well, it's funny, like, in hindsight, I don't think I did, but maybe, like, when I first left drama school, okay. and, like, I had a good agent, and, and uh-huh. I was auditioning for things, and I think I felt very, kind of, this leans more into that flow state than mm. maybe, like, the calm state that we were yeah, talking yeah. about, but it just felt like, um, like anything could happen, and everything was easy, and yeah. life was kind of exciting, yeah, and I think I sort of did feel like I had my shit together. Like, I just trained in, like, a really good school yeah. and, like, had loads of friends and I was living in London. And yeah. Yeah, I think it was that. Um, but in hindsight, of course I didn't. I was all over the fucking yeah, place. Yeah, yeah. But, yeah. God, that's so interesting. Because I think I came out of drama school and I felt kind of spat out of, like, the structure and everything like yeah. that. Yeah. But it sounds like you were able to kind of deal with that in a much better way. I think I probably did feel a bit... I think I was just so excited. I think there's something about that excitement that just made me feel... uh, Made me feel kind of grounded, you know, Mm. and energised. Yeah. Yeah. You'd started working on your first show at drama school, right? Mm, Kind of. Like, like we'd... uh, Like, with some friends, we'd sort of played around with some of the concepts. Mm -hmm. Um, But not really. It was a few years afterwards that I really started to apply myself to it. Yeah. 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 So cool. Um, okay, then in opposition to that, a time in your life where you felt like you really didn't have your shit together? Well, probably turning 30, so like a year ago. Oh my God. <laughs> really? Yeah. Yeah, you're not 30, are no. you? No. Thank so you, two got, years away. I'm mid 20s. Well, you've got mid to late. <laughs> you're not mid 20s. <laughs> <laughs> mid. Middle of the late 20s. You've um, got all this to look forward to. Oh my to. God, yeah. It's already um, starting. The fear is already starting. Really? Yeah. It's so fucking arbitrary, isn't it? But I think it's a real thing as well. I, yeah. I think I reckon looking back, we'll be like, what a fucking yeah. stupid thing to worry about. It's just a number and, you know, it doesn't really signify anything. Mm. But I, I had a bad time. Um, what was it throwing up for you? Uh, it was throwing up things around career, mm-hmm. mainly, yeah. and achievement. Uh-huh. Because, you know, as a sort of like... Uh, as a conventional sort of like commercial actor I haven't done much work mm-hmm. um, but I've done a lot of work like self-made stuff which you know it's funny because you know you talk to some people and they go god all I want to do is make my own work yeah. and I talk to people and think all I want to do is just get paid to be a bloody yeah. actor you know and, yeah. and not have to worry about all the producing and the mechanics mm-hmm. of all of that so I think there's um, I mean the grass is always greener isn't Literally, it yeah, yeah. Um, but I did get to a point a year ago and I just thought oh do I still really want to do this like the industry is it can be such a fucking toxic place oh God, yeah. and I just felt like I wasn't really getting anywhere with certain things and just came very close to giving it all up and I still might give it all up <laughs> I don't know but yeah I think it's hard when as creative people like we our self-worth is tied up with our creativity but then also that ties into career so there's like there are all these different strands of our yeah. lives that uh, that affect our sort of self-worth and confidence that are also dependent on our career and achievement yeah. and I think some people might be able to separate those things but I find it fucking difficult oh, it's really fucking hard I, I, this is something that I've said in, like when you're an actor so much part of your identity and the access to the creativity thing and if you're not given opportunities to do it it's really difficult mm. but the fact that you're making your own stuff seems like 
because I think you know for me like writing and like doing this podcast has been my way of trying to get hold of that creativity again yeah but it's yeah funny what you're saying because from the outside I like you've achieved like so much in terms of like making your own stuff but it's a weird thing when it's so tied up because I think people who work in like office jobs and stuff like that they can just kind of switch off it's when it's so much a part of your identity as Mm. well and like yeah and your income I've got friends who have given up acting and I noticed like a a switch in them which I just found really admirable you know because I think I think it takes a lot of courage as well to go actually this is just not serving me anymore and it's stopping me from growing yeah I remember like a postgrad coming into my drama school so when we were in third year we had graduates come back and talk to us and one of the things that um, stayed with me the most was someone came back and said the bravest thing that you can do actually is to give it up if it's not making you happy anymore (laughs) like don't fucking keep flogging that dead horse if it's like no. Yeah. I think I think that's true, and I think we, I'm glad that someone came into your school and said that because yeah. you know that would never have happened at my school. Really? No, because and I think a lot of these schools they they do trade on this idea of like of the dream of the whole thing, you know, and and of course they have to because like mm. they're fucking businesses and that's how they make their money. But I think it is a little bit manipulative. I think they should be more honest about people's prospects, yeah. you know. But but the joy I've seen in some of the people who have chosen to give it up. Mm. And the way that they, you know, that they find satisfaction in their work mm-hmm. that's not creative. Yeah. But then that funds their life and then they have joy outside of that with their friends. Yeah. You know, and you just see a lightness in them that I don't really see ever in creative people no, who are yeah. trying to monetize their creativity. Yeah. Even people who are doing really well, you know, it's like I have friends who are sort of at the top end yeah, of kind yeah. of celebrity and success. Yeah. And uh I'm, I'm not sure really underneath it all they're any happier than no. us, you know, us lot fucking around at the fringe trying to make things work. No. So it's a tricky business. It is. <laughs> it's a shit business. It is, but it's that thing, I think, you know, with creativity and stuff, it's a thing that, like, allows you to kind of transcend life a little bit, I think. Mm. And, you know, I, I've spoken about this so much on this fucking podcast that it's boring to people who listen to this, but it's like <laughs> escapism, isn't it? And it's like, almost, can be almost like meditative. So mm. when it becomes a thing that maybe you've been told you're good at and you should follow that and that aspect of trying to monetize it is a very bizarre thing when what brings you joy and fulfillment is also the thing that you're chasing to pay bills and shit like that yeah yeah I don't have any answers really I just uh, there's something about like a creative life I think that's just so exciting like aside from all of that and like you say I think it it does give perspective and it like it it can give you a different way of viewing life Mm. and existence which is wonderful because you know I think the downside of some of these sort of uh, non-creative jobs is that you do just become a cog in a big kind of corporate machine mm. and you sort of, you, f- you forget you're even alive, I think. Yeah. Um, um, but it's a trade-off, isn't it? Security or... I know. <laughs> or a soul. I, oh, my God, <laughs> no, I know. that's really cutting. <laughs> I, I, I'm not saying for a moment that people who aren't creative don't have souls, but I'm taking the piss, but, you know, see what I mean? No, completely. So how are you feeling about being 30 now? Now you're on the uh, other side of it. Uh... Better, yeah. better, yeah. Um, I have a lot of existential anxiety. Which um, is in the play. W- which is what this current show is about. Mm-hmm. And I just think that for some reason for me, 30 was this milestone. I'm sure I'll listen back on this in 10 years and think how pathetic. But, <laughs> but at this time, I think it did feel like a sort of milestone. And I hope I'm a long way away from death. Mm. But I've been thinking about it a lot more, wow. you know, and just thinking about just how completely mental it is that all of this is happening. Like the awe of it, you yeah. know. It's like we are here and we are on this little rock spinning around the sun. And I mean, we so rarely think about it. I think it can either send people into this sort of beautiful awe or just unbelievable existential panic. And yeah. I sort of flitter. Well, it's like spiritualism or like nihilism almost, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. yeah. And I sort of drift through, you know, both extremes. Yeah. Um, so for some reason, my, wow. my 30s have been quite caught up in that kind of heavy existential thought so I, I made a show about it to try and help <laughs> <laughs> and it obviously hasn't helped a fucking jot <laughs> oh god um yeah 
I definitely think within the last few years I oscillate between thinking that it's all fucking pointless Mm -hmm. and especially when you're literally like looking at the news and the world is fucking burning and I think like the 20s that we were kind of sold or promised when we were like 11, 12 it's very different to how I'm experiencing it now like I thought it was quite simple like you would leave university you would find a partner you would Mm -hmm. marry and then life would kind of take care of itself I didn't like, at no point did I think that I was going to be considering the fact that, like, the planet might die. Or, like, whether I even want to have children or... Because, like, what is the point? Do you know it's yeah. It's a mad thing to be kind of getting your head around. And also, I think your 20s feels like the age of action. And, like, if you're approaching, as I am now, like, 30, and you're kind of thinking, fuck, like, who am I and what have I contributed? Like, yeah, yeah. It's terrifying. Yeah. <laughs> well, this is a cheery episode. <laughs> Sorry. If you're still with us. And, <laughs> uh, three things that make you feel like shit. Being ghosted. Okay. In, in what sense? Like professionally. Yes. Uh, I, I, nobody really ghosts me in my in my personal life. Mm-hmm. I don't think. But in my professional yeah. life, fucking hell. You know, there's nothing I hate more than being ignored. Yeah. Um, when it's so easy to not as well, that's the thing. I know, I know. There's like, I'm, there's no excuse for it. <laughs> I don't think I ignore anybody. No. You know, and I mean, unless they're like nuts or something. Yeah. Like, I think I'm pretty good. For safety, <laughs> I will ignore someone. <laughs> yeah, occasionally. <laughs> but I think I'm pretty good, you know, at just going... I've read your message, but I can't respond right yeah, now. Yeah. I'll, I'll talk to you next week. Or like, you know, just not leaving people hanging. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Closing those, those awful, circles. Yeah. Yeah. I just think it's so rife in what we do, you know. And I'm not sure that the right people to blame are the ones who need to respond with the emails yeah. or the calls or whatever it is. So I'm mainly talking about buildings and producers and theatres yeah, and, yeah, yeah. you know, the kind of like the, the big institutions within mm. within our industry. Um, I think that it's, yeah, it's not necessarily the fault of the people who you're waiting to get back to you because they're probably so overworked. Yeah. They're probably not getting paid enough. Yeah. Um, they probably need like an extra three people on their team even to read half the email. Yeah. So, and then that just goes even higher up the thing of, yeah. you know, like the government's not, not subsidizing these big arts venues. And so it goes on and on and on. Yeah. Um, but to be at the bottom of the food chain being like, I have a project, I have an idea, yeah. I have something that, you know, that would do really well in your building, um, and for it to be ignored is very yeah. hurtful. And it just seems to happen constantly. Yeah. And I, it's not just me. <laughs> <laughs> everyone's going to think, everyone's going to think, well, it sounds like it's because your ideas are shit. <laughs> I'd ignore you as well. But, you know, I have so many friends yeah. who, who who feel the same. It's just so demoralising. Well, definitely. It, I think it's, it's psychologically damaging as well. Yeah. You know, when you put an, an offer out there and you sort of go, uh, this is me, this is my work, this is my idea, mm. would you be interested in it? That takes a certain amount of vulnerability, you know, oh, you're completely. having to put your heart on the line. And as actors and creative people, we're very, very good at rejection. So if somebody just says, um, it's not for us, yeah, like we can do something with that. And just, okay, fine, yeah. next, move on. But there's no closure of the circle, it's just like... But it's, it's also that thing of like, because there's no date or like for example I've had friends who haven't heard back from a job for months and then got given it like eight months later <laughs> and it, you know so I think when you're living in that not having an end date mm. therefore you're in this weird what's called purgatory of like hope and death mm. and so you know you might be thinking well they're not interested but there might be the tiniest little voice that's like but in eight weeks <laughs> yeah that's when I'll get the call and you still yeah. end up like checking your phone and it's that like that anxiety where you're stuck in the middle between the two things, which yeah. is really damaging, for yeah. sure. And that I hate that phrase, yeah. no news is good news. Is it? It's f- not. No, it's not. It's like, like Not no. in this industry. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> no news is a no. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God, literally. But it's kind of what we're talking about before as well in terms of, like, being in a creative is so tied up with your sense of self and your self-worth and, and being vulnerable that being left without that closure on it, it's really damaging to your sense of self as well and, and being enough, being good enough, which I think yeah. is what every fucking actor is is yeah. struggling with all the time. Yeah, I agree. And and, and then I, I think it makes you sort of... You, it puts your energy in the wrong place because then it becomes about, like... Um, I felt it before. I can become quite, like, uh, like aggressively determined, you know, like I, I need to get this out there or... Um, yeah. I have to be heard and actually like the idea 
and the creative thing should speak for itself. Mm-hmm. It's not allowed to speak for itself when um, when things are just ignored. You know? Yeah, yeah, for sure. Two more things. Oh fucking hell! <laughs> um, too much alcohol. <laughs> yeah, I bet everyone says that. No, they? actually, surprisingly, not enough. Oh really? Think, that would be one of mine, I think. Yeah. 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 Too much alcohol. Um, it just changes everything. It makes me different into a different person. Yeah. Like if I've been drinking a lot. Um, and I have been up here to be fair, mm. but I think this kind of the adrenaline of the show sort of you need the balance it's sort of yeah. yeah, but also counterbalances I think the effects of the alcohol, which is weird. <laughs> I haven't really been that hungover up here, yeah, um, but when sort of life is at its normal pace, and uh, if I'm drinking too much, it's just yeah, it makes me it makes me crazy actually, like yeah. my anxiety goes through the roof, yeah, so moody, um quite sort of insular, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, yeah, I've gotten worse hangovers and like they're lasting for like days now mm. that is getting older yeah i used to just bounce back oh yeah i'd be working the next day in like the restaurant when i was like 16 years yeah. old you know yeah it's crazy yeah i don't know why i keep doing it to myself i actually don't think it makes me happy <laughs> no but there's just so many societal pressures oh literally on yeah and also you know like i think it's about um for me, I think being teetotal just just wouldn't work. Yeah. Especially about the communities that I move through and my social circles and all of that. Like really hard. Um, but I enjoy it as well, yeah. you know, and I and I like the effects of it. I just think that uh, well, it's just moderation, isn't yeah. it? It's a hard concept for me, moderation. Yeah. yeah. You know, I can also lean into like the self care stuff like way too hard. And then that can start to need more moderation too. You know, it's like I've, I've gone into meditation before with uh, too much intensity and been a little bit burnt and kind of thought, okay, I need to like ease myself off this yeah. too. So I don't know if that's an ADHD thing or just a me thing, but uh, I'm quite extreme in my I guess they're interest. both similar in terms of like numbing out. Maybe like, you know, if you're like meditating too much, that mm. might be like disconnecting from in a similar way that like too much alcohol yeah i wouldn't say that it was numbing Mm -hmm. out because if anything it's like it's about it's about like opening yourself up more and more to like subtle levels of experience Uh so i don't think there's any numbing or kind of suppression going Uh on but there is something about that level i guess of internal focus that can start to feel quite isolating yeah yeah booze yeah what so what if i said being ghosted being ghosted booze uh (laughs) <laughs> this one's going to sound awful. Come on. Uh, people pushing their fucking prams down the pit. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know what it is? It's yeah. something about, like, um, uh, the, the sort of the privilege, or what's the word? The sort of the... Uh, entitlement. Entitlement, thank mm-hmm. you, yeah. The entitlement. I felt a bit nervous saying that word, then, because if it wasn't, now it's going to sound like such a talk. No, no, no. It's the entitlement mm-hmm. of, like, a heterosexual <laughs> couple... And they're fucking children taking up too much space. Mm -hmm. And so, like, whether it's just, you know, walking down the pavement and you're expected to, like, jump into a puddle on the road (laughs) because they can't just pause for a moment or, like, move the pram to one side. Mm -hmm. Or if you're in a restaurant, you know, and, like, fucking kids are screaming and running around or on a train. Like, I don't know why it annoys me so much, but there's just something about that. There's definitely some, like, negative, like, dodgy projection going on inside me. Like, it's probably not really that bad of a thing. But it's not the children themselves, of course. It's just, it's that sense of kind of, yeah, entitlement of like, I don't know. I just feel it off people who have children that that suddenly they can take up more space and their children's more important than you walking down the street and like well i was working in a cafe at the beginning of last year and on a monday afternoon there would be this thing called prosecco and proms so all of these mums would come in with their babies and like where i live in london it was like bougie mums and they would come in and they would get pissed with their babies with their fresh babies and literally when they would leave it would be fucking chaos of those vegetable straws do you know what i'm talking about those fucking crisps that babies eat the vegetable straws like strewn everywhere like literally (laughs) as if the parents would just pick them up in the hand and just like crush them into tiny crumbs and then just sprinkle them (laughs) on the floor and then they would like tottle out with their kids and just leave leave the chaos yeah and also it's it's like it's it's your choice to have children yeah and i just find that in so many different pockets of like society and just moving around london where i'm just like fucking hell like you can just ease off a bit with the space that you're taking up you know um (laughs) makes me sound like (laughs) such a gun no (laughs) no listen we need to it needs to be said 
Hey, Ant. Hey. You do a great job in editing this podcast, might I say. If people like the podcast, what do they need to do? Like it. What else? Follow it on social media. And then what? They could share it with every single person they know. Thanks, Ant. You can go back to your corner now. Bye. Three things that make you feel like the shit. Um, listening to good music in the shower. <laughs> Amazing. What kind of music? I love house music. Okay. Yeah. In yeah. the shower? Yeah, yeah. In the yeah. morning? Uh, no, it's usually like if I'm maybe going out or nice. if I'm getting ready for like a show or something. Yeah. So I always have a shower before the show. So uh-huh. there's something about that that just gets me going. Oh, makes yeah, me feel you need very. To be for that show. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, it just makes me feel very energized yes. and kind of ready. Oh, I and love that. Yeah. Um, what else? I think the satisfaction of like a creative endeavor paying off. So, like, People saying, God, I really, you know, felt something by watching that or I had this experience or, you know, yeah, you made me reflect on something like that feels very good for me. Mm. And I just go, yeah, okay, I've got my shit together. Like what I'm doing here is resonating resonating and like the intention has followed through to actually having an effect, you know. Yeah. Um, One more. Well, maybe linking back to more of that kind of peaceful thing. Just feeling like content, you know, maybe just being with my boyfriend and the cat and just mm-hmm. having a nice chilled day. Yeah. Uh, and not really feeling like I have to do anything or be anywhere. That's nice. Or being with family, that sort yeah. of thing, you know. Like living in London as well, I find it like hard to rest and have those moments oh, of just gotcha. like stillness with the people that I love. Yeah. So when that comes along, it's really lovely. Mm. Mm. It's rare. Yeah, it's really rare. Yeah. Or just being down the pub. I love that as well. Mm-hmm. You know, in the winter, there's a real nice bunch of you who uh-huh. all just sort of synchronise beautifully. Yeah. And, like, you're a few drinks in mm. and there's maybe a fire going and it's Stunning. cold outside yeah. and yeah. people are laughing and you just yeah. think... Mm. That's really nice. Yeah. You can smell roast dinners in the pub. <laughs> yeah. Mm. That's dream. It's making me look forward to winter now. Okay, something that makes you lose your shit in a positive and a negative way. I was going to say, like performing but it just feels a bit pathetic um i'm just trying to think if there's anything else positive or negative maybe it's kind of a similar thing because i think i've had experiences maybe in meditation that do that Mm -hmm. and also experiences on stage and i think it's that feeling for me maybe of like fear and not being in control of what's going to happen but also having the adrenaline and the excitement and the sort of groundedness to like to just fucking stay there and like see what emerges so I think it's like it's a very creative place for me Mm -hmm. it arises so I'm not sure if it's like a thing but it pops up in different areas of of my life in different activities Mm -hmm. it's that sort of um it's a combination of feeling I think fear and excitement it's like stepping now into the unknown and like yeah. kind of vulnerability and fear and flow all kind of coming together absolutely and like but almost feeling in control of it as well yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Had, there's, there's like there's a weird sense of agency because yeah. you're the idiot stood up in front of yeah. people and you've chosen something. to do it well yeah exactly yeah, yeah. exactly um, yeah, my agent has got a gun to my head <laughs> yet. Um, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's that. When I started doing, like, spoken word, like, a year ago, mm. that was essentially because I wanted to do something that scared me. And still now, like, if I'm doing it, I'll be, like, shitting myself for, like, the 15 minutes before it to the point where I'm like, I don't want to do it, I don't want to mm. do it, I don't want to do it. And I think it's because you're about to step out and you're, it's just you. Mm. There's no one else that you can fall back on. And you don't know how people are going to take it. And it's, like, the most vulnerable thing that you could do. But then when that's there, the fear is there and the vulnerability is there, but also you feel really present and in control of it. Because I've definitely done it where it's, like, running ahead of me. And I'm, like, scrabbling to keep up with it. But if I feel like I... Because you can tell, and you must get it when you're doing your play, when you have people in the fucking palm of your hand. Yeah. And that does feel fucking addictive. Yeah, it it does. It does, doesn't it? But there's also a danger to it because it can just... As I'm sure you've felt with before with your spoken word yeah. and your acting it's like if you become a little bit too controlling of the moment it just goes yeah. and, then like, and it's just like and it's the, indulgence the, then and like yeah, yeah and the ground just falls uh-huh. away and it's weird isn't it it is it is but it is like a magical thing almost like mm. like transcendent really yeah um, okay something that makes you lose your shit in a negative way 
I think our conservatism in this country, it makes me very angry. Yeah. And obviously, like, political conservatism, but the way that all that just sort of drips down, you know, mm. to to just the general public. I think that because the country's been so fucked by this government over the past, whatever it is, 12, mm. 15 years or something, the arts have obviously been stripped yeah. right back. So have so many other important, you know, public services and everything else. But looking at it as an artist, looking at it from that perspective, yeah. you know, I'm not saying that art is the most important thing and it should be raised up above everything else but just looking at it as an element of everything Mm -hmm. else that's been fucked i feel like people's taste has been like diluted and that as a country we've been patronized in terms of the art that's accessible to us um and and the sorts of um commercial art as well Mm. um I just think it's all just so boring and it's not really developing and it's not helping people grow. And uh, that makes that really makes me, pisses me off, you know. I don't like being patronised, but of course, like the sort of level of entertainment that we come across is at that level because it's so poorly funded. It's not because people aren't interested in it or that, like, the ideas are too big for people to understand. You know, that's what I mean by patronising. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think it's that people aren't giving the opportunity to actually develop their taste um, through funding and all these other things. So that's one of the major things that keeps me up at night. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So you have performed in other countries, haven't you? Uh, in Denmark, yeah. yeah. Do you notice like other countries having a better relationship with... A huge difference. Yeah. A huge difference. Um, it's subsidised, yeah. obviously, uh, much more than it is here. Yeah. Um, it's valued. And, and it's valued. Yeah. And also you notice that the types of people who go to the theatre as well... It's like, you know, it's not just sort of like the middle class sort of intellectual elite who just sort of go and enjoy, you know, whatever. It's like you just get people from the whole spectrum of society, working class people, um, you know, whatever, upper class, middle class, people who you you wouldn't expect in this country to have any interest in the theatre, generally speaking you find a going and experiencing mm-hmm. the arts, you know, it's not it's not seen as something sort of um, wanky, pretentious and kind of um, uh, as a luxury, you know, over there. It's seen as like an integral part of functioning in a society yeah. and developing your ideas, regardless of where you are on the kind of, on the income spectrum, oh. you know. And I think that's one of the big things that we could learn from Europe. But yeah. you know, this government doesn't give a fuck, obviously. No. Um, yeah. And then the other thing you find is that the ideas being explored on stage and the concepts are so much more advanced than we get over here. You know, like we're, we're so hell-bent on like a strict kind of narrative or like story structure or just fucking Shakespeare or like, like yeah. redoing, you know, redoing plays from hundreds over of years ago again. over yeah. and over again. And, you know, people think that just because, you know, you give a character an iPad in a Shakespeare that suddenly oh it's something God. revolutionary, you know, yeah. it's, it's just it's just such rubbish. And yeah. most of these big institutions are surviving on these stale, stale, narrative driven. Uh, you know, I've got I've got this joke that like every British theatre show starts with a PDF in someone's inbox and it's like this little PDF arrives uh-huh. and then you know that's what everyone starts with yeah. and it's like okay so then we'll cast it and we'll do this and then yeah, we'll get something yeah, to do yeah. the lighting and and it's like it, it's such a it's such a tired process yeah. and in other parts of the world particularly Europe you know Germany mm. uh, Denmark they, they don't start from a PDF you know it's a, it's a much more collaborative process mm. and it's about ideas and and feelings and uh and vision rather than uh celebrity casting and monologues yeah know? of course i'm sure that shit happens over there as well but yeah not as much as here god i think you see it as well in terms of like i mean just to bring it back to like edinburgh for example something that you know at once would have been quite um grassroots and stuff like that becomes mm quite inaccessible and like all the money is at the top of the structure and Mm -hmm. like not trickling down and you can tell even you know with certain venues like they've not done it with the creatives in mind Mm -hmm. it's it's very much about a money-making thing and they'd rather have more plays on so for example the play that i'm doing we have like five minutes to get into the venue and five minutes to get out (laughs) i mean it's just insane so like we're stood waiting with the audience so that we can run in set up 
and then start the play and from a calm place, even though like we've been like, fuck, where the fuck are those books gone? Like, what the fuck? Someone's moved our shit. Um, yeah. But even that isn't thinking about like the creative process and like respecting the art form. No, it's just, they could take one play out and give everyone 20 minutes. Yeah. It's just and I, I I wouldn't necessarily mind like that that sort of fringe thing of like running in like you know standing with the audience do everything in five minutes bash it all out and then so you know I don't mind that so much I think there's something sort of fun and silly and it's about definitely it. like a great experience yeah. as well for sure but that would be fine if if the artists who are doing that were getting the ticket sales yeah you know or at least the majority of yeah, the ticket yeah, sales yeah. is what we find now is that once they've added all the extra fees and the yeah. VAT and all that shite on uh, top that it's it's actually impossible for the companies to make more money than the venue yeah and the venue the fringe wouldn't exist without the company so it's become very dirty yeah uh, it's very grubby now yeah really problematic which is a shame because it's such a brilliant thing and it brings you know it brings so much to Edinburgh and it brings so much to creatives as a way to like try things out or you know even for me like just doing theatre for the first time in a really long time it's been a really beautiful experience but you just see it in stuff like that and it feels like it's the corporations that are kind of um, I don't know the corporations is the right word but you know the companies that are making the money exactly what you're saying as opposed to like valuing the art Yeah. yeah yeah And it also, you know, it fucks over people. Like I was saying to you before we started, yeah. like, I took out a £12,000 bank loan uh-huh. to fucking make this show happen yeah. up here. And I'm going to be paying that off for a while. Which is not. But I was in a position to feel like that might be worth it, you know. The vast majority of people, I'm sure, in this country who have got ideas that are way better than mine <laughs> might not be in a position to take that risk. Yeah. Or wouldn't even get a proof of the loan. So the problem is, is that it's becoming just such a middle and upper class yeah. thing because of the financial restrictions. And Actually, I think it always has been, but it's it's so much worse than than it was. And that you know, again, is not just the um, the fault of these huge venues in Edinburgh. I think it, it goes back to the government. Um, yeah. Yeah. So you just think of all the wonderful ideas that haven't emerged this year because of that. You know. Yeah. Definitely. moment that you found some shit out about yourself well there was a time i think it was maybe like halfway through drama school mm-hmm. when a few friends pulled me to one side and they were just like we we can't bear being around you you're negative about everything <laughs> um you don't take anything seriously and you know and they were they were like we find you we find you very funny uh-huh. but there's like there's a cynicism there that actually is just sucking the joy out of everything oh my god (laughs) brutal Uh, it was very brutal but it was the right thing to do because i was literally ruining other people's experiences of of drama school by just being so negative Uh and i think do you think that was like a uh, coping mechanism most of what we were doing at the time was a load of wank <laughs> and it was incredibly pretentious and yeah. a waste of time uh-huh. um, but you only make it worse by not sort of throwing yourself yeah. in and not commenting on it yeah. you know so in hindsight I can sort of say well I was right <laughs> but, but I dealt with it in the wrong way you yeah. know I, I yeah. should have just had a bit more yeah. a bit more joy but it could also have been like um, a defense thing I guess of like uh, a defense thing against being vulnerable I guess and mm. sort of looking at, at things from the from the sidelines with negativity and a sort of piss-taking attitude yeah. rather than actually throw myself in and going, okay, I will be pretentious and I will be, <laughs> yeah. I, I will look like a wanker for the day but, and it won't really matter. Yeah. Um, but that was very helpful, I think, um, that they that they did that because I, I remember, God, I was only young, I was like probably 20 when that uh-huh. happened and uh, I remember being mortified Oh my god! And it's very like I feel very seen yeah, receiving something like that. Yeah, and I, I I immediately went to a bookshop in Hammersmith and bought a book on like how to be more positive. Oh my god! Can you imagine a little twenty year old me doing that? Because oh I, I just gosh. I just thought, well, if I don't sort this out, yeah. like no, nobody will like me. Oh. And I read like the first two pages, rolled my eyes. <laughs> it in the bin <laughs> but told everyone I'd read it yeah and then and just so it looked to people like I was making an effort oh, you know um, but then I but I was just policing myself more and I was just trying to be less uh, less of a little shit about things um but I still find that now 
I don't know. I, th- I think it's very tied up with my humour. Like, uh, yeah, I don't really know what that is. But It's almost like your strength as well and, like, your power is that kind of... Because you are very funny and, like, that dryness. It's a thing that I constantly have to be yeah. in negotiation with because if yeah. it goes too far, it's horrible to be around. But if, if I completely stop that part of myself, then I don't, I don't feel like myself. Yeah. And it's where all of my humour comes from. Yeah. So, yeah. Oh, my it's God, that's I so have interesting. To, I have to be in check with it. <laughs> Your little positivity book. Oh, my God, <laughs> God that's so cute. <laughs> I just need to read how to be better at it. Literally. Oh, my gosh. Okay. <laughs> Shittest piece of advice you received? Um, distract yourself. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you're feeling pain or fear or yeah. anything, any sort of negative experience, yeah. that distraction is the best way to deal with yeah. it. Whether it's booze, sex, or uh, social media, mm-hmm. or whatever. Um, yeah, I think maybe short-term distraction is not so bad, but long-term kind of running away. Yeah, running away suppression. I just mm. think it, it it kills the soul. Yeah, um, blocks everything and ultimately makes it worse because then you you just you're you're in fight mode, right? Rather yeah. than just being with whatever that thing might be, like acceptance. Yeah, yeah. I definitely think there's like the alternative is dangerous as well, like sitting in the thing. Yeah, and because you need you definitely need to do a bit of that and of like acknowledging it. But I I think I've been guilty in the past of like indulging in Definitely. the thing a bit too much uh, me too and talking about it for three months <laughs> yeah, three years you need to move on now yeah um, yeah no yeah. I've been there too there's a really interesting uh, meditation technique around this oh, really where um, if you notice pain or it can be physical pain or uh, emotional pain yeah, yeah. any sort of difficulty like arising you turn towards it and so you you allow it to be part of your experience but if you notice um, thoughts and stories emerging, so you might sort of go like, okay, so I'm feeling anxious. I have this sensation of anxiety in my body. It's because I'm worried about this deadline I have coming mm-hmm. up or somebody said that thing to me two days ago and, it, and it's still making me worry because I didn't quite understand what their intention was. So as soon as you drift into like the, the why, mm-hmm. you just recognise that, see if you can let it go and come back to the physical sensation of the thing. So it's like... That's interesting. Yeah, so it's like, okay, my heart is racing and I feel uh-huh. hot. Can I be with can I be with that racing heart and the heat without drifting into um, attaching meaning to a, it. attaching yeah. meaning and so that's a very interesting way I think of uh, of not distracting oneself of being with difficulty wow. but not getting caught up in the story which can literally lead to like lifelong like yeah. I, well, I just can't get over this and there's yeah, this and yeah. there's that because it's the story that catches us oh right? definitely I definitely fall into like ruminating on things quite a lot like oh, I'm a bit too. of a warrior yeah. and I will be like thinking 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 and I think it's because I can be quite analytical about things and I want to understand it because if like if I'm feeling something uncomfortable if I can understand it mm. like then then I will master it and I will be able to move on but obviously some things you only have one side of the story or whatever yeah, yeah. and I definitely fall into the rumination side of things which I've heard is like a I don't know if you've heard of this, but like a maladaptive coping mechanism sometimes. Right. It served you at one point, that kind of ruminating and understanding it, but actually there's a level at which you have to let it go. Yeah. But that sitting with the feeling of it, of like, you know, heartbreak or whatever. Yeah. Rather than going into all of the... Yeah. Trying to understand it. Yeah. That's really interesting. Yeah. Because you are going to feel things. Of course. Like we're feeling people. Yeah, well, exactly. And yeah. I think it also taps into that. It's nice that you say, like, we're feeling people because it taps into that sort of universality of of emotions mm. and how, you know, everybody's experienced the same sort of spectrum of emotion. Yeah. But the stories attached to them are That's completely so different. So it's like being with that heartbreak. Yeah. It's actually not such a lonely place to be because there'll be countless other people experiencing heartbreak in that moment. But when you tell yourself the story, you get lost in your own experience as opposed to the human... Exactly. Then then it's it's your heartbreak rather than just heartbreak. Wow. Um, I love that. It's nice, isn't it? Yeah, it's really nice. Uh, Not that I practice what I preach. (laughs) 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 Throughout the whole podcast, you fucking idiot. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, shit you wish you'd known sooner. I think maybe this notion that, like, people aren't born bad, you know, that people's pain and negative behaviour, or I should say, like, negative behaviour is just a result 
unless you're born a psychopath, yeah. you know, is the result of negative things that have happened to you. Yeah. Um, I think I was kind of brought up to believe that some people are just inherently bad. I think maybe a lot of people are brought up that way. Mm. And it wasn't until my kind of maybe late teens, early 20s, I started to clock on to this idea that, oh, no, of course, we're just, we're just products of our environment. Yeah. Maybe this is a very obvious thing to say. I don't know. No, I don't think so. Um, but I think I'd say in the last few years, and especially the um, the mindfulness course has helped me feel into that a lot more. Mm. Um, it's harder with people I'm close to. And, you know, it's very easy for me to have an angry response to things. Yeah. Um, but I'd say with strangers, I'm actually pretty good now. If if a stranger does something to upset me, I'm quite good at not really reacting and just sort of yeah. going, well, I've just got no idea where they're coming from, yeah. you know. Um, but I, I could have learned all of that earlier, I think. Mm. Uh, but I, I'm probably not so good with loved ones. I think it's, it's so much more complicated, isn't oh, it? Oh, it's way more complicated. Yeah. I think allowing yourself to understand that about people just allows you to be way more compassionate and forgiving mm. of them and everyone's trying I guess yeah you will exactly yeah, yeah. I heard someone heard I don't know who said it but like everyone's trying as hard as they can uh, of course they're not are they <laughs> but it's but it's a, it's a nice yeah, thought yeah 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 <laughs> yeah and I had it yesterday when I was um, getting on the bus after seeing you and there was a man who started like shouting at me um and that, like I think I was feeling a bit tender um so he was basically shouting at me because there was a queue and I was fully intending to join the queue, yeah. but he just clearly had had a bad day and yeah. he was kind of taken out at me. I got on the bus and I had a little cry. Um, but then I did that thing and I was like, okay, well, he's clearly, rather than just being like one arsehole, I was yeah. like, well, he's clearly going through some shit. And yeah. it made me kind of let go of it a bit sooner. Yeah, 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 yeah. Thinking I think that. that's, that's what it's about, isn't it? It's yeah. just the letting go. Is Because yeah. as soon as it's held on to, it's like, well... Um, yeah it's just taking on someone else's I think shit so. and I think with loved ones you can kind of give the power to them by being like well they've done this thing to me and they wanted to upset me and like mm. da, 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 and that's you kind of hold on to it a bit more but if you if you remove that and again just kind of go back to the well they're probably trying mm. and then you can forgive them a bit more but yeah. it's, it's really hard when it costs you a lot and yeah you know yeah yeah Gosh, yeah, it's a hard thing to overcome. Okay, this is the point to talk about a shit shot. So this <laughs> is a photo on Instagram or in the media or whatever that to the outside eye looks like you had your shit together when you didn't. Hmm. Yeah, I was trying to think of one of these. Uh -huh. It's maybe because I have so many pictures <laughs> of me looking like I don't have my shit together. Or when you didn't have your shit. <laughs> when I didn't have my shit together. So just accurate representation. So, yeah, Exactly, exactly. So most of them are those, and I'm also, I also hate people taking pictures of me. Mm. Um, uh, do I? No, I don't actually. I quite like the idea of someone taking a good picture of yes. me, but all the pictures of me I, I, just, I just hate. So, you know, mm. I have this weird relationship yeah. with that. Um, I think maybe, I think maybe, uh, like, maybe some production pictures are like headshots or something, yeah. you know? Because they're so fake, aren't they? You know, the, maybe more more my headshot than uh -huh. than like than production pictures. Yeah. Because you you sort of made you're to, trying to sell yourself. You're trying like, to sell yeah. yourself, and you have all of these sort of you know just slightly varying looks of you know someone a little bit angry, <laughs> someone very open and vulnerable. You yeah. know, someone who you want to fuck, and it's just you know, and it's like so. I think those sorts of pictures, you know, where it's Everybody knows they're a lie, yeah. and yet you sort of have to use them as currency. And also, you've like arrived sweating, probably a bit late, with a suitcase <laughs> full of outfits to try on. Yeah. That you're like throwing out to try and find yeah. the right the right shade of top to make your eyes pop. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's it's wild. Yeah. Um... Yeah. And that's kind of when you have to sell yourself as being the most together as well. It's exactly. so bizarre. E exactly. You yeah. have to sort of look. But, I mean, I still don't think I've mastered a headshot ever. But oh this gosh. weird thing of, like, you know, you need to be... You need to look... Um, you need to look professional, but you also need to look vulnerable. You need to look open, but you need to look sexy. Yeah. You need to play slightly hard to get, but also you need to be available. Yeah. You know, <laughs> and it's just like, it's like, well, what the fuck oh is that, gosh, you know? Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I'd love to see 
like uh, I'd love to see a wall of like a thousand headshots, but then with like the thought bubble of what was actually going on in the actors' oh head God, above them. Literally, but also like lest we forget that they take about one hundred. Oh yeah, or two hundred photos well, of you, I mean, and yeah. like. The majority of them, are you, like, mid-link yeah, yeah, or, like, yeah. doing something weird with your chin? And the ones that we, like, curate, the ones that you see on Instagram, which everyone looks fucking fire in, yeah, was, yeah. like, the three Literally. that you didn't look yeah. ridiculous in. Yeah, and weirdly for me, it's, it's always, like, it's the first three that they take. Literally. And then the remaining 480, <laughs> I just look, like, stoned yeah. or pissed, yeah. yeah. It's funny. What you were saying as well before about um, kind of liking the idea of people taking pictures of you, but then the actual picture reminded me of this time where I had, there was like this photo shoot, this photographer reached out to me and um, we were talking about like, you know, styles of photo that we kind of wanted to go for. So I was looking at all of these um, ones on Google, like styles that I liked, like film camera shots and stuff Mm. like that, like out and about. And I sent him them and they all looked really fucking cool. And then I had the photos taken and then he sent them to me. And I was like so disappointed because (laughs) I realised that I didn't look like the models in the photos that made them look like so much better. And yeah, it was just such a moment for me of like, oh, I I can only work with what I've got. (laughs) Such a weird, weird concept. Yeah. Um, I think that's maybe the nice thing about like getting a little bit older yeah. is just leaning into do you know what this is my fucking face <laughs> and you know take it or leave it yeah. um you know yeah maybe that's what i've learned from from looking back on some of those headshots is just to you know the sooner you can just embrace like who you who really you are, are the literally. better the shot is actually yeah. gonna be oh my god yeah because the moment that you else. start trying to do the sexy shot yeah it's awkward yeah, but it's not just look like i'm sucking on a lemon <laughs> Um, so, Adam, yes. have you got your shit together? No, have I hell? Have I hell? I think from the outside, I think people, I think a lot of people think that I, I have. Mm-hmm. I, I think because of like all the meditation stuff yeah. and they see me making my own work that in, you know, in some ways successful, in other ways, not so much. But, but like, I think people from the outside might have this idea of me that's very together and considered um but no my like my my private life with my boyfriend and also like my internal kind of emotional landscape can be uh can be very messy mm. um when i say with boy with oliver with it being messy i mean more that like you know i can show i can show those sides of me that yeah. aren't so together and we kind of work through that yeah, yeah. um uh, not that our relationship is messy no. <laughs> <laughs> um so yeah no not at all but also but like is it um do you really want your shit together you know like you you wouldn't know what being what having your shit together was unless 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 you'd have the chaos so I just think it's something that's always in flux right yeah and it's something that you're always kind of chasing but that kind of is what drives you forwards in life as well yeah is the moments of calm and the moments... You need the chaos to feel the calm, I guess. Well, exactly. Yeah. I think I'd be very worried if I suddenly woke up one morning and I was like, oh... I've completed it. I've, every, everything's... All my shit's together. Yeah. Um, I'd quickly have to run out and do some heroin or something. <laughs> just to ruin to it feel all. feel <laughs> something. Oh, my God. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, thank you very much. Thank you. It's Thanks good. for having me in your bedroom. Anytime. Yeah. <laughs> Great. It's been a lot of fun, thank you. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the podcast. This podcast is produced by Ant Hickman. The artwork is produced by Tim Saunders and the photography is by Patch Bell. A massive thank you to Cassia for letting us use their song Slow. See you on the next episode of Have You Got Your Shit Together? I'm just a little bit low I always try to lose my mind in a conversation with you